We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have hey, to Jacob. Try Hi, Scott. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Well, we got one last week, I think was the only other time we've ever not started off just by laughing. So, yeah. So I think laughing as a start is, is great. <laughs> uh, me too. I mean, might as well do what we're, what we're already doing, you know, just in front yeah. of folks. Yeah. Listen, listeners can't see you, but you're wearing a very stylish and cool looking Institute for Creative Living hat. Oh, I always forget you. if it's for or of. I think I go back and forth. Is it Institute for Creative Living? Officially, it's creative? for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I had a, a local um, outfit, McHugh Sports here. Um, they also do stuff, you know, t-shirts and hats and things. And so I had them um, get these done. And it was a process of about two months for them to produce them. So I just, just have them in my, in my hand, I think on Friday afternoon. So very nice. Do you wear hats in general? Is that something, is that your style? Well, I think we've, I think we might've addressed the fact that I have a preternaturally large head. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, have. I think you mentioned it. I certainly haven't mentioned it. Well, the fact, and I've tested this by the way, cause I, I took a, co- a copy, I took a hat to my brothers and had them put them on. And then I, and then I had them show me how many little tabs they had to use. Right. And they were at like four or five to make it fit comfortably. And I'm at two. So I'm almost to the very last one you can use. So hats almost can't fit you. <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, and, and I wish listeners could see me do this. It's not like I walk around feeling like I got this watermelon on my neck that I can just barely keep it up. But uh, apparently I have this really large head. So does that make you less inclined to wear hats or yes. more inclined? So M- it hides much less. Head? Yes. Okay. Well, no, because it, it to me, I, that just makes me conscious of the fact because it, the hat is tight. And then I'm like, well, then, then I notice how I'm probably appearing in the world like Mr. Potato Head. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so long story short or whatever, uh, this hat is one of the few I've ever put on. And that's why I got this one was when they gave me a thing to try on. I said, oh, I think I can actually wear that more than not. So yeah, it looks good. I think baseball caps suit you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it's awfully good to see you. And, and I'll say that since our last episode, I've been experimenting with the breath you taught us um, last time. And I'm um, look, really looking forward to doing a session with you. Yes, we have to get that on the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not right this second, but <laughs> after yeah. we're done. Well, let's just, yeah, let's just do a breathwork session live right now. I think yeah, everyone would like to hear it? that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should, actually. We could at some point. That might be boring to listen to. Yeah. Hey, I wanted Are to say, too. you AMSR at all or ASMR? Have no, I, no, I can't stand it. You can't? So you, no. Okay. And you I understand. It. Yeah. And I actually, years ago, somebody not too long after the Blessed of the Weird book came out, an ASMR um performer, I guess you call them, got a hold of me and said, I love your book. And could I, are you okay if I do an interpretation of it in my ASMR for nighttime? And I said, well, of course, that's fine. I had no idea what an ASMR was. I thought it was probably something kind of kinky. 
because uh-huh. I didn't know what ASMR stood for. So then I went and looked at her channel and, and, and she had like 40,000 subscribers or some even larger number. I couldn't, it was astonishing. And my daughter has gotten into ASMR um, and they just love it. And so I, I don't, I don't hate the idea of it. I just can't stand like people chewing pickles or erasers or whatever. How, what's been your experience of it? I mean, limited and I, I'm not, I don't really have a, a call to it, but I haven't taken a deep dive either. My dear friend loves it. I mean, it is for her the most relaxing thing in the world to listen to. Um, I'm curious though. So did you hear your book as ASMR? Did you get to hear it or any part well, of it? Yeah, she did the, the, the opening poem, I think, and it did not resemble the opening poem at all. Um, okay. It was definitely weird. It wasn't, my book, but it was definitely weird, but it was, it was fine. I, I don't, I've never really cared when people want to adapt that to whatever sure. they want to do. So, but, but yeah, no, it didn't resemble my book. I didn't see an uptick in book sales after that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that your impression of ASMR when you said yes, was that it was something kinky and you're like, sure, turn, <laughs> turn my book into something kinky. <laughs> I, whatever, man. <laughs> you don't write a book, blessed or the weird and then tell people they can't be weird with it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? What's happening for you? What do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about briefly, Scott, you and I have been talking about this, but um, I'm feeling so excited about it. Um, doing a retreat with you and Lisa Campion and Dr. Stephen Farmer in Sedona this fall. Um, and I know, and, and something really clicked when you went and got your breath work certification and then doing the work since then. I'm like, oh shit, that's something I would love. I mean, I was going to have invite you anyway, but it just made, makes me so excited to know, oh, this would be a deeply experiential part of that retreat. Yeah. Um, and I, I pinged our buddy, David Gandelman, uh, like on my way here while I was also taking pictures and thinking about things. Um, it's my way of saying I have ADD without saying it. Um, anyway, no, I asked him if he'd like to join us and he, and he started laughing. He's like, dude, he sent me a voice text back. He's like, dude, I'm literally putting the, together the pieces for a retreat at Sedona Maga retreat in the fall. So he said, I don't know if I can, but if we can make those overlap and he can join us for before or after some part of it, he, he would, he would think that was fun. So we'll see what happens How with that. Funny. But wouldn't that yeah. be cool? Yeah. I've never been to that retreat center. Oh, well, Jesus, dude, then that's definitely, yeah. we, we just have to do it then. All right. So there <laughs> Very it is. Special. Yeah. It's happening. At some point in the fall, watch out for it. Yeah. Sometimes it helps me to say, yeah, I'm sorry. No. I was just going to say, sometimes it helps me to say something out loud in front of people that hasn't yet fully formed because then when I do it, it's no longer just banging around inside my head along with all the other ideas I have. Now it's out there and people are going to ask me about it now. So, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I've been wildly... uh, unproductive and unfocused and incredibly distracted lately. Like it is, it is, it's, it's wild to just witness how hard it can be for me to stay focused on any one task without my mind going in a thousand different places. And that's not something new for me, but (laughs) it it feels, it feels really exaggerated lately. And um, Mm. I thought I was in Trader Joe's the other day and Mm. I don't typically shop at Trader Joe's only because 
the products I love the most there are all just like packed with sugar and like, you know, like they've got some great original products and they're not necessarily what I would consider to be healthy. But I was in Trader Joe's because I was at, I was at this pharmacy next door getting this great tonic for allergies in this area, went into Trader Joe's and this is how I, (laughs) you know, there's some moments where you're like, oh, okay, I'm definitely off balance right now. I realized that as I left Trader Joe's with two quarts of ice cream, a box of ice cream cookies or cookies, ice cream sandwiches, and a box of mochi ice cream and three pizzas. (laughs) Like everything I got was just, I mean, it was over the top. I mean, all the sugar, especially. And so, so I was watching, okay, what's, so what's happening? Like, this is me talking to myself. This is what it sounds like. So what's happening for you, Scott? (laughs) Like, why are you consuming vast quantities of ice cream every night right now? And, you know, like, so. And and, and what did did your inner self say back to that? Like when you asked that question? I mean, the truth is I feel, um, I'm feeling somewhat off balance lately. Mm. I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling really distracted. Mm -hmm. And so what's important for me in moments like this, and I've been, I just finished the last of the ice cream that I've been inhaling every night. (laughs) And what's most important for me in these moments is to one, acknowledge that it's okay this is okay that you're, you're, I, I feel really in my, a sugar addiction right now, which, you know, happens for me in my life. Hmm. And then I like phase out sugar entirely, and then I'll get back into sugar and be consuming it in vast quantities. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I'm doing it, it does suggest to me that something's a bit off balance, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm turning to sugar a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I don't, I want to, I'll ask you about this too, but before I ask you what I'm going to ask you, I'll just say what's most important for me, Jacob, is just to not shame myself Mm -hmm. when these things are going on. It's just to like bring awareness to it. If I choose to acknowledge that this is human and it's okay. And if you're turning to sugar right now to keep from, I don't even know what I'm actually keeping myself from doing by turning to sugar. Um, But that's okay too. And as it has in every situation in the past, this will pass. Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll move through this and not be consuming vast quantities of sugar every day because I acknowledge that it isn't the best thing for my body. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily feel good to be eating a ton of ice cream at 10 o'clock at night before bed, right? I don't think it's a bad choice. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm Mm -hmm. saying that when I'm paying attention to my body, I recognize like this isn't necessarily feeling good in my gut and all of those things, which is why I would choose to make different choices around it. Yeah. Um, You know, what I wanted to ask you though. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, no, I have a follow-up question for you. When did you notice this? When did you notice it starting? Was it like this last week or when? No, the past few weeks, it's been really hard for me to just to focus Mm -hmm. and really hard for me to, um, to give my energy to, 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 to much of anything Mm. that it it just feel just so hyper distracted. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't tend to look 
outside of myself in those moments and think, well, is there a, a planetary thing going on? You know what I mean? That isn't where I naturally go. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that it's entirely possible that mm-hmm. maybe are you feeling hyper distracted these days or? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and part of the reason I asked when you noticed it, which didn't match up with my theory. So that's nice. Thanks for that, Scott. <laughs> no, um, you just went through a really intense, um, intensely spiritual experience, intensely, intensely, you know, elevated experience with the breath work. And I've noticed a lot of times when I go through something like that or with other people, there, a lot of times there can be a contraction period after um, coming yeah. back down to earth. And sometimes that involves, you know, sins of the flesh, if you want to call it, which I don't want to call it that, but let's just call it that. It includes, no, it includes indulgences. It includes, you know, like, what the fuck? I just did, went and had this amazing thing. And am I just plunging deeply into uh, stupidity now or what? And I'm, it's been interesting. I had a, a teacher at one point tell, explain that to me. He said, don't, and this is not, advice for you obviously i just i love hearing this they said don't come back from a a sublime experience a peak experience and get mad at yourself when you notice that you're extra edgy in traffic or that you are doing you know you're eating what you consider to be way too much or whatever they said that's part that's part of like coming back down into your form and and figuring out how you want to integrate it into your life you know you're so spot on. This is this is one of those moments I'm having where this is so obvious. Like what you're what you're what you're saying is like, of course that's part of what's happening because it, mm. it it's only been a few weeks since mm-hmm. okay. the breath work ended. And I definitely noticed in the initial days the the coming down was happening mm-hmm. from it when you were and I think you're you're I think you're probably spot on with this. Mm. It makes that makes total sense to me. And I've definitely gotten better. And I, I'm, this is, this is what I also want to bring into the conversation is the distinction between denial and Mm. relaxation, like denial and actually being healed in certain ways. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel I've gotten so much better when I am spiraling in choices that don't necessarily serve me well, I'll call them unhealthier choices. Mm -hmm. Um, but feeling more relaxed about making them instead of, of the shame. And there are times when Jacob, it feels like I'm not always clear if I've just gotten really good at turning off a switch that is really about feels sometimes maybe it's more like denying what's really happening and just mm-hmm. not giving my energy or focus to it at all. Or if I'm just generally more relaxed with everything that's going on. And so it's not, it isn't necessarily denial. It's like, I'm acknowledging that I'm making unhealthier choices right now. And I just don't care as much about it because it's, it, it feels like it's entirely human. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and caring more isn't necessarily the thing that is going to create the shift in me. If that makes sense. No, in fact, I'm, I I wanted to read this because what you just said was like, okay, there it is. Um, I shared this the other day on the Institute page. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Um, this is Ajya Shanti. Mm-hmm. Um, many spiritual people are involved in a radical denial of what is happening. They want to transcend it, get rid of it, get out of it, get away from it. 
there's nothing wrong with that feeling, but the approach doesn't work because it's escapism in spiritual clothing. It's wearing spiritual clothing and spiritual concepts, but it's really no different than a drunk in the gutter who doesn't want to feel the pain anymore. When you abide and accept everything completely, you automatically go beyond. Beautiful. Yes. I love that. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily in every moment clear up my inability to recognize whether I'm just so completely embracing mm-hmm. everything that's going on <laughs> that I've transcended it and I'm peaceful with it, or if I'm in denial of aspects of it, which is why I feel more peaceful about it. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And I'd love to go into that just a little bit, Scott, because you and I talk about on this show a lot, we talk about um, shame. We talk about acceptance, you know, talk about self-love and I feel like this is really where it's hitting the road in those moments of going, how do I distinguish between this is, this is acceptance. Um, this is self-acceptance. It's these, to me, it's the, it's the self-indulgence versus self-care, um, question, you know, like self-care became there. It just became sort of, attached to the idea or the idea attached to it of bubble baths and chocolate cake and, and wine. Um, because you know, you need to treat yourself because life's stressful and we need to take care of ourselves. And I, I, that's an indulgence. And I love, I love that to me, I'm, you know, Taurusy. So for me, all of those things, check the boxes. Yep, absolutely. Let's do all the earthy, rich, uh, sensual things. And, and the part that says, and I, I'm creating a life I'm creating a life and every single choice I make is part of creating that life. So um, I don't feel like I have a fully formed thought there. I wanted to say those things and let's, let's pull the threads together. Well, I mean, for me, there, there are almost always two sides to that. Well, many sides, but two sides that come up for me, because if you're okay, if you're relaxed about the choices you're making, Mm-hmm. Even when you're recognizing, oh, that isn't the healthiest choice for my body or, oh, that isn't the healthiest choice for my mind or the healthiest choice for whatever. If there's a place in you that has deep surrender to your experience as a human being and those choices, mm-hmm. is does that not serve you? Here's, here's a question. Am I not served by being completely at peace with eating unhealthy food, let's say, what I would consider to be unhealthy food. If I'm completely at peace with the choice to eat that unhealthy food, is that not better than eating really, really healthy food, but carrying an anxiety around mm-hmm. my relationship with food in general? It's, it's, those are the mm-hmm. distinctions for me. It's mm-hmm. like I can, if I move through the world, I was thinking about this last night, I was feeling I, I was opening to like a really dark place of just feeling like mm. nothing matters and every, my body's decaying and all of this is, everything was just feeling dark and pointless. Yeah. And my instinct was to not give energy to those thoughts. And mm-hmm. the next instinct was give all your energy to those thoughts. Just surrender, give yourself over to those thoughts because my desire not to give energy to those thoughts is a desire to deny 
the fullness of what it means to be human on this planet. Because, excuse me, all of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, have voices that are questioning the point of everything and are looking at how dark everything is and are aware of our aging bodies and how fucking depressing that feels in moments to know that everything is just getting older and and less and and decaying i mean you know that's a dramatic way of putting it so so I gave myself over to those feelings last night because, and this is kind of what I think in relation to what you were reading, Mm -hmm. because the other side of giving yourself over to those feelings is actually being really honest with the experience of being human. And if you just Mm -hmm. pour yourself into those feelings in the moment, there's a good chance you're going to get to the other side of them. Where if you are constantly looking away from those feelings and denying them, they're just going to keep creeping in and up and you're still pushing them away. And because, mm-hmm. because Jacob, you know, there's that part in me too, the Abraham Hicks part that really believes like we're served by giving our energy to things that make us feel good. And we can be intentional about that. And the more intentional we are, the more moments of feeling good we create. So all of that is living inside of me. And sometimes it feels confusing and in contradiction. Yeah. That's, wow, it reminds me of um, something. But before I go there, when you said I, I made the choice to give myself to those feelings, how did you explore that? Like, walk us through, what did you actually do next when you sort of found yourself saying yes to the feelings? What did you do? I just let myself keep thinking the thoughts that I was thinking and mm-hmm. feeling the the intensity of those thoughts in mm-hmm. in my body instead of distracting myself away from them. It's like, just mm-hmm. feel it. It feels, it feels gross. It feels painful. It feels heartbreaking. It feels... And even more than any of those things for me in the, in moments like that, it fe- there's a hopelessness that comes alive within me that feels really, really heavy. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a disconnection from everything that is beautiful on, on the planet. Like I felt like last night I was giving myself over to everything that just feels ugly. Mm-hmm. and not uh, not something that I want to be a part of. And yet I wasn't there all night. It's like I was in that and I was, you know, I don't know how long I was stirring in that. And then I eventually was thinking about different things. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but But for me, it was the acknowledgement that, hey, this is entirely human. And because Jacob, sometimes I feel like in my desire to resist those thoughts or feelings, it's really my desire to resist the, the fullness of the human experience because the complete experience has a lot of pain and ugliness. And that is part of it. And so what I'm playing with in my life right now is just hey, this is part of being human. And when you're resisting it, you're actually resisting the reality of your existence in this lifetime on this planet. And there's no point in resisting that. Right. This is part of that reality. So I've talked a lot now. You say some things. (laughs) I just love that we're going here. Um, I feel like this is so real. And I feel like a lot of people... (laughs) 
are <clears throat> shaming themselves for feeling despair, for feeling the not just anxiety, but like terror of being alive. Um, yeah. And it takes me back, Scott, to many years ago for me, I was the most positive person in the room. I was known as that. Mm-hmm. I was always the guy who had something encouraging to say, ripped Same. out a wise quote from somebody. And looking back, I'm very annoyed with that version of myself. <laughs> um, no, but what was interesting is when I went through the shakeup in 2008-9 that we've talked about before, I think that was one of the most difficult, among the most difficult things of that experience was le- was losing my optimism. I remember writing in my journal um, after I moved to Austin, I feel like someone cut off my leg. I don't know if I'll ever recover my optimism. Um, mm-hmm. And that's coming from a guy who had a uh, had started a WordPress blog uh, when they were WordPress was a baby back in the day. And it was called the Jackalope Club. And it was nothing but optimistic quotes and funny videos. It's pretty much the same stuff I do now, just with no snark and filth. You know, it was just all... <laughs> but no but what was interesting is um during that time i ran across robert johnson's um owning your own shadow book i don't know how it found its way to me it's and i've mentioned it before but it's one of the most profound books dealing with this sort of thing and it helped me begin to recognize that you know that phrase not found in this book um what what you resist persists And that was my first true experience of diving into the parts of me that I did not want to own, the parts of me that felt terrifying, that felt dark, that felt toxic, Mm -hmm. um, that felt like they lent energy to entropy and decay and death, you know. Um, And so that became this experience for me, and it was long and and weird and confusing uh, for some years there, but it became such a relief to go, I don't have to hold up these shields because what I began to realize is, look, I love optimism. I love inspiration. I love all of that. I don't love it when it's held up as a shield against reality, when it's held up a shield to say, if I just deny this hard enough, the bad, the bad man will go away, you know, um, learning to hold it one in both hands and learning to recognize the spectrum of reality includes at all times, death, decay, entropy, toxicity, um, anger, hatred, all of that. And then the spectrum also includes love and power and life and aliveness and light and all of those things. Learning that I have a choice that I can make, that I can turn my attention toward the side that I want, but also when a feeling is is running, when it's when the current is running that direction, I had a coach one time, um, and he one of the, he he was so influential for me. And this is long before, you know, spiritual breakthroughs and things. But he said often, when we're working with a client and they are imagining something, um, something they don't want. He said, it doesn't do us much good to try to talk them out of that feeling. And he was talking in a sales context, one of the finest sales trainings I ever went through. And it was actually a mutual seeking for the truth, which was so different from every other sales that I've ever been part of uh, sales training. But he said, if you sometimes if you can actually go push them further on the pendulum to go, oh, well, now that you mentioned that, what if this even worse thing were to happen? And he said, what will happen a lot of times is 
they'll 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 course correct. They'll say, "Oh no, that's that's crazy." Um, they get to call you wrong, and they'll and they'll come back to the middle. They'll swing the pendulum back. Say, "No, that's not that's that's not going to happen." This is what I was really concerned about, and I began using that with myself and also with my children, and now sometimes with clients also, just exploring. Okay, that's a dark thought. What if we took it even darker? And by not resisting it or trying to platitude or um, affirm over the top of it, a lot of times the mind automatically finds its own equilibrium and says, wait a minute. Okay. All right. That's good. Glad, glad I looked that direction. Not, not ready to go that far. Now let me come back into resourcefulness and make a different choice. Yeah. I love that. It's, you know, I, I think I mentioned it early on in our podcast, Tim Ferriss has a process. I think he, it's called fear setting. If you typed in Tim Ferriss fear setting, oh, interesting. he, it, it's basically an invitation to look at all the fears that are coming up when you're making a change or you're going into the unknown. And when you're writing it down and looking at him the way he kind of, he recommends you, you're being asked to look at your fears through a rational lens and what you come to discover more often than not, or pretty much always, at least on some level is that where your mind goes with all of the, what if fears, um, are, almost certainly not going to come to fruition. And when you're forced to write it down and look at it on paper and look at the things that your mind is telling you will go wrong, and then you rate them from like a one to a 10, not going to happen to absolutely will happen. You'll come to find that the things that your mind is telling you absolutely will happen when you actually break it down, they tend to fall in like the three to five Hmm. on a one to 10 of likelihood of them happening. And it helps you get out of your mind get out of the irrational aspects of your mind into a rational look at what your fears are creating. And that invites us to move forward. It's a, it's pretty cool. His process of fear setting. I like it. I'm going to look that up. That sounds really useful. And and I want to say too, I was just putting together a, a short um, promo clip video for Julia Cameron. We're doing a workshop with her in May and we put it out there two days ago, not the video, but the, uh, the event she asked if she could do an artist way essential tools uh, workshop with us online and it's already i mean we already have like 100 people signed up it's kind of on fire it's really cool but this clip i love because it was it was from the heal create retreat where she taught a, a session and i pulled a clip out of there where she was talking about morning pages and she was saying a lot of people are afraid to tell the truth in their journal because they feel like that's putting energy out there into the universe that's somehow going to fuck their life up even more. Mm-hmm. And she said, I found that by telling the whole truth in my journal pages, everything that I'm feeling or afraid of, much like what you're saying with the Tim Ferriss, not as concise a process, but um, very similar in that it's it's not resisting it. It's allowing mm-hmm. the pendulum to swing that way and then watch. I Scott, I cannot tell you how many mornings it's not as frequent anymore, but sometimes how many mornings I've woken up, didn't get enough sleep and was just feeling fucking dark. And it's like the part of my mind that's like, no, you need to be on point today. You got to get shit done. Um, was so afraid of that. And I would just sit there upstairs at Whole Foods with my cup of coffee or something and just be like, oh, I just don't know. And I would start journaling and telling the truth about how I feel. And I can't tell you how many times in 15 minutes of telling the truth and then 
moving into what do I need and then what would I love, what would I love to create today, how would I love to feel? I cannot tell you how often I've just looked at it and was like laughed at it. It's like, I can't believe how different I feel 15 minutes later when I just told yeah. the whole truth. That's extraordinary and such a powerful practice. And and I, I think really speaks to the understanding that anything you would write in your journal, any truth you would share yeah. is alive inside you. Mm. So in our unwillingness to be honest with what's really going on inside of us, we're actually keeping it inside of us as stuck energy. And right. if you're taking the time, even just 15 minutes in the morning to expel this truth that you maybe don't want to face or you don't want to vocalize in some way, you're clearing some of that energy. And it does. It's like it's like the release valve on something, yeah. you know, yeah. a pressure cooker. You're releasing some of that pressure. And and again, to connect it, that that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about breath work is because mm. it's doing it's so much energy and pressure is being released just in the process of breathing. As mm. with writing your truth in your journal, there's so mm -hmm. many tools that we can use. It's really about it's really about the intention. If you had a rock and you were sitting with a rock in front of you and you chose to speak your truth to the rock mm -hmm. because your intention is about clearing that truth out of your system, that's going to be the most beautiful tool for you as well. Right. Right. It, that's, there, there are so many tools. That's actually a wonderful tool. I frequently working with clients will have, you know, asked, will, you know, go back into find some memory and then begin a dialogue between their current self and the, and the self that is wanting to speak. And that's related to the internal family systems work, um, the parts work. My sister Emily and I were talking just this morning and um, it was, we, we always laugh. We have these incredible, hey, Emily, shout out. Um, we always laugh because we, we start out talking about how's your morning and, you know, did you get coffee? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, it's as if we don't even, we don't even pause and we just blindfold and jump directly into the deep end of the pool. It's like, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, there we went. Uh, but but I love I love how intelligent Emily has become with noticing the parts because as you were just saying, every everything that every feeling in there is alive inside of you. And I love how intelligent Emily has become and in reminding me at times to ask what part of me needs to be met right now. Um, every single fear, anxiety, um, pain, painful thought, every single one of those is coming from some, some part that, that wants to be brought home, that wants to be known that it's not too ugly, too, um, grotesque, um, or shameful to actually be welcomed back in and then allow it to lose the power of, of being, let's call it a demon, um, yeah. psychologically speaking. And by resisting those things, we keep them in jail. And, and the way I see it, Scott, is that the energy of thought, um, feeling, wherever that comes from, if I'm resisting it, I'm actually holding something in a jail cell in darkness and by walking up to it unlocking the door and saying tell me about yourself tell me what you need tell me how you feel that allows that part to come into the light and if you want to use the metaphor of angels and demons any any demon is actually just a, an angel waiting to be liberated um into the light it's it's to be liberated from the darkness of being resisted and held in shame yeah, give them all a seat at the table. 
Mm-hmm. That's how it feels for me. Like this just giant round table where all the parts have a seat. Yes. And they, they all have a voice, you know, they all have some level of acceptance and love from the whole. And the word that kept going through my mind mm. as you were just talking was integrated, mm-hmm. you know, an mm-hmm. integration in, in this, this understanding that we can integrate all of the parts of us in a holistic way instead of, because when you are jailing some part of yourself, mm-hmm. you're giving it energy. If you're putting something in the dark, you're giving your energy to the darkness. There's no other way around it. So where do you want to be giving your energy? When you bring something out of the darkness into the light, you're giving your energy to the light. And what can be created from that place? And in my experience, giving giving space to the parts of myself that are uncomfortable or unlikable, like my envy, or let's say, mm-hmm. giving space to it, giving love to it, doesn't make it bigger. It doesn't, it doesn't turn me into a more envious monster. What it does for me is it eliminates the shame that I carry around being a human being with envy, even though every human being has envy. So you're, you're eliminating the shame by bringing things into the light. And you're, again, the, the pressure, I keep seeing a pressure cooker in my head. It's like releasing some of the pressure. So your envy, your jealousy, they have a seat at the table too. And because they have a seat at the table, they don't need to be screaming from their jail cell, let me out, let me out, let me out. That's right. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Carolyn Mace's book, Sacred Contracts, that was so pivotal for me a couple of different times. Um, First, I read it when I was, uh, or listened to it when I was ironing my, my church shirts to go teach Sunday school in the morning. And it was pop, my head just blew up. I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't do that. I can't handle it just yet. And about 10 years later, I came back to that book and found it so powerful. But she talks a lot about archetypes and how each archetype has its, has its light and its shadow, or it has its pain and its strength, um, weakness and strength. And, you know, I I identified for myself, the, a really strong prostitute archetype, um, when I was going through that. And, and she said, oh, I love this. I love this archetype because people hate it so much and they're so afraid to own it. Mm-hmm. And she said, but if you understand the, the ancient role, you know, the, the temple prostitutes were not seen as shameful. There was, a, there was an honorable exchange going on. Um, in fact, yeah, so they weren't like Western culture has, you know, strippers and, and hookers and people and just even saying the word, it just sounds so ugly. Um, she said, if you can understand that if you have the prostitute archetype in you, most likely what that means is you've been selling your finest, your finest things, your best creativity, you've been selling it for just mere survival. You're not, it's not an honorable exchange. You're allowing yourself to be taken advantage of, and you're just barely eking by. She said, that's just one manifestation. She said, as you are able to bring that archetype into its light, into its health, you'll notice that you you don't, so to speak, close your legs against the world. What you do is you actually make, you turn this great outpouring of your love and your creativity and your finest gifts, your best stuff, your most precious things, you turn it into an honorable exchange. And she said that will, that will forever change the way you interact with the world and your abundance and inner peace and all of that, just with that, that one archetype. 
I love that. I, you've, you've mentioned this book a few times. I really, I, I feel like based on what you said today, I need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not clear why, it's because I definitely connect to the prostitute archetype. <laughs> but I love what you said about it. And I love seeing, I love how you're connecting it to the, the beauty that lives mm-hmm. in in the things that we're trying to resist as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, the, and the, a question that was coming coming up for me to just invite the listeners to consider is, mm. you know, how, how would your life feel different mm. if you could accept that every aspect of who you are is a natural part of being human? Mm-hmm. If at the very, very base that's not how I want to say this, but just <laughs> at the foundation of your understanding, there is an acceptance of who you are in all of your your idiosyncrasies and all of your mm. quirks and all of the things that you view as less than desirable. They're all mm. entirely human. You know, mm-hmm. how much more peace can we create in our lives just with that understanding, just with that mm. acceptance? And mm. from that place make conscious choices about where we want to be giving more of our energy in our lives, but not from a place of denial, not from a place of shame, just from a place of awareness that, Hey, when I give my energy to doing this, I feel like this. So I'm going to give Mm -hmm. my, some energy to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we, if we could come, I wish we would learn as children that there is, there's nothing inside of us Mm -hmm. that we need to direct shame toward because mm-hmm. it's all entirely human. Mm-hmm. How much does that change our experience of, of our relationship with ourselves and how we show up in the world? So if you were to say what you just said again, as uh, to pass the grunt test, meaning somebody go, okay, this is, this is exactly the sort of the nugget of it. How would you, how would you rephrase that? Because it was all spot on and beautiful. How would you say it again if you were trying to Say it in a sentence. What's the grunt test? <laughs> if if somebody can't like, somebody's just, like, oh, <laughs> no, it's like uh, the grunt. I'm sorry. Good, good question. Uh, the story brand, building a story brand. Donald Miller walks through, you know, how to say things very concisely on on a website, and he's like, if they can go, oh, well, this is about that, then you pass the grunt, grunt test. If they can, if they have to use a bunch of sentences and they're still not sure, then it just needs more work. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I hear you. How about, let me see, how would I say that? Maybe in two sentences, everything you feel and are is entirely human. How would your life change if you accepted that as fact? Fuck. You know, that's that wasn't an answer. That was an exclamation. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just something to consider. Because mm-hmm. I think, Jacob, so much of the suffering we create for ourselves is the shame we put on ourselves for believing that so many different things about us are wrong. And this isn't to suggest that we we don't make choices or take actions that can be hurtful to others. It's not about any of that. It's, it's just about acknowledging that who we are and all of the aspects of who we are, it's entirely human. Yes. And actually, Scott, this feels like a time. I'm going to check in with you. I'm not going to address the entire submission, but it feels very much... Um, in line with our conversation today, we got this note from M. Are you okay with me talking about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So first of all, M, thank you for 
um, sending us a note. It's a long note. I'm not going to read it uh, in in full, but um, it starts out with, Hi, Jake. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. I don't feel worthy to write you. My self-doubt is in not feeling good enough, lovely enough, and very insignificant to the rest of the humans who have written to you or some topic you speak about. And she goes on. And I feel like that's what I want to key in for just a moment. And um, because I feel like it's attached to what we're talking about here, Scott. Uh, and it feels like a very real expression. Thank you for your honesty um, in being willing to say, look, I don't even feel good enough to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the context of what we're talking about today, Scott, how, where do you want to go from there in responding to M? Well, I should say, first and foremost, I haven't read the email. So this is all I'm getting from mm-hmm. you. So if it feels a little strange to base it just on that, but the idea, what, what I would say is a couple things, just thank you for your courage also to, mm-hmm. to acknowledge that and to still write to us, even though you're, you're feeling that for me, that is that is the mark of what's possible within Mm -hmm. our humanity is understanding when our fears are showing up and our insecurities are showing up and seeing that we can still move forward with them, not despite them, but along with them. I will read your, I'll read your full email after this. And, but to, I wanted just to say that, and that you're not the only person who feels what you're feeling. And so by you having the courage to share what you shared, you're, you're creating space for others who are listening to recognize that they're not alone in their feelings of unworthiness. And that's always powerful. Um, but I am curious to see what more, more you've written. Well, and I, you know, Scott, so often in my head, I have perfectly framed something and uh, set it up. So it's just all ready for the other person. And they're like, I don't understand at all where you're going. No, this was a terrible setup. <laughs> so you 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 had something in mind though. So I think you should go on about what I it did. Is you had in mind with this. Well, no, and I the the way that I wish I had set it up uh, 45 seconds ago was okay. So I read this submission. It touched my heart. Um, at doing an energetic scan of the overall tone, the first sentence or so really is the the question how can i feel how can i feel worthy to be here and the the rest of the note goes into talking about having deep empathy um feeling so sometimes at pain in pain in this world and not even being sure how to put together a life that matters to her and and could be useful in the world as well so just a quick energetic scan there were lots of other details but those are the kind of the key um, hotspots for me. And I feel like you actually, part of the reason I sprung it on you, even though um, it wasn't all calculated at all, but um, part of the reason I just brought it up with the initial hotspot was I wanted to get your intuitive read right off the bat without even having all of the details. And I feel like you you touched it right on, right exactly where it needed to be. I don't know if I did, honestly, hearing more about it. You know, I I feel like... When I am in thoughts of unworthiness, I know that I'm in my mind. Mm. I know that I'm in my mind. And, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about the distinction between the heart and the mind or the, the mind and the soul and what energies exist in those places. And, and what I feel called to say to you, Em, is this, is that there is a place within you that 
in no way questions your worthiness is is so wholly in love with you and believes in you and knows that you're enough and trusts in the gifts that you have and trusts in the way that you're going to choose to share those gifts and are choosing to share those gifts. That place does not reside in your mind. Mm. Not really. Even though our minds sometimes, our egos can be, for lack of a better word, generous with how they, they view us. But in general, that's based on the specific things you're doing. It's always connected to actions. Your heart doesn't need you to do anything in order to recognize your divinity, your humanity, your beauty. So when I'm feeling lost in thoughts of, of lack of self-worth, what I know I need to do is to get out of my mind. So some of the ways that I get out of my mind, it's to get into my body with movement, if that's a possibility for you, it's to get into my heart. So, you know, Jacob and I talk about writing as a tool all the time. What does getting into your heart look like? It looks like opening up a journal, getting into a short meditation, if that works for you, or finding a meditation that takes you into your heart and allowing yourself to connect with the love that is alive inside of you. And when we recognize the love that we have to offer other people, we have to rationally understand that the, that love is not only for other people. Of course, it's available to us as well. Like that for me is a rational and intuitive understanding. So if you can connect to the love that is alive within you, you know, think about the person you love the most in the world or the, the animal you love the most in the world and allow yourself to energetically open to that love and then very intentionally direct that love towards you and then if a journal feels good to you, grab a pen. After you come out of this meditation, you're centered in your heart. Write to yourself from that place within you that has love for you and allow that place within you to express its love to you in a way that you're not used to experiencing. Because from what I gather from your email, you're so often like most of us living in your head in, in terms of how you view yourself. So... Get into your body, get into your heart, play, get into your soul. You know, that's, that's writing from the heart. Writing from the soul for me is even a different experience because my soul, this is going to, might sound nutty, but to my soul, even love is a little noisy. Like to my, my soul is so still. My soul is so quiet. My soul is like the trees, just so rooted in such an easy way to everything and so at peace that when I, when I meditate and get into my soul and write from that place, what I'm reminded every time is all is okay. You are okay. And, and for me in that space, there's nothing, no judgments live in that space. No suggestion of less than or unworthiness lives in that space. So these are some of the things that are coming up for me as I'm tuning into your energy. Um, you know, but, but what is important and what is important is that you give yourself over to either these practices or other practices that call you into your heart and call you into your soul, that you make time for those things. You know, for me, you writing to us in the way that you did, even though I haven't, I'm going to, I won't yell at Jacob. <laughs> I'll just give him a dirty look. <laughs> 
about this, but, um, but that is, that for me is an expression of you loving yourself, even though your first line is, I don't feel good enough to be writing to you. What you're energetically, what, what you're energetically communicating is that you absolutely are good enough to write to us or you never would have written to us. So that for me is your heart operating. Your mind is, is communicating. I don't feel good enough. And your heart is telling you write to them. And you followed along with your heart. That is you loving yourself. That is you operating in self-love. So um, recognize that. Acknowledge that. This is one of the ways we come into to, to better harmony with ourselves. It's when we give ourselves the recognition when we actually are showing up in ways that reflect self-love, even though our mind is continuing to tell us we're unworthy. So I'll stop there for now. And if you have anything more, Jacob, please. Well, first of all, dirty look received. <laughs> Fully loved Dude, and accepted. I can't be smiling and laughing. I have to give you a real, like a real dirty look. <laughs> all right. Received. Yeah. And have you ever seen a musician go off the page, off the sheet of music, and just go into riffing? And it turns out beautifully. Honey, I've been to many fish shows, so yes. <laughs> so you've seen it. All right. Well, so I'll just say this. As I said at the beginning of your riff, I think you're touching exactly what needs to be touched on here. And then listening to the rest of that riff, I said what I said, Scott. That was perfect. <laughs> said what you I know, said. what I what I want to say too is just to give the the inner workings of what happened for me in that experience too was when you first brought it up, I. I did feel like put on the spot and also not clear how to respond. But then when I, when, when you said more, what my inner dialogue was like, get, get over that moment and tune into the energy of this woman who took the time to write to us and trust that you can tune into energy without having to read the entire email, you know, and this is, this is where I think, it's, it's so easy for us to limit ourselves mm -hmm. instead of like recalibrating and understanding that so much of what we're doing when we're engaging with people, it's so, it's so beyond the words because no matter what the words are saying, there's an energy coming through them. Like it's someone could be in front of you saying to you 20 times, I love you and I appreciate everything you're saying. If that energy doesn't line up, you're going to feel the energy and not the words. And so for me, what, go ahead, please. No, no, no. For, for you. No, I just wanted to say, so for me, it's, it's a good practice to be like, hey, just stop yourself and tune into what's happening in this moment and see what comes from that. And I hope it was helpful. I'm still going to read your email, but I hope that was helpful. <laughs> Have you ever received a text uh, after maybe a, a string of texts and then there's a smiley face and you, you know for sure that it was, they were gritted teeth on the end of that. Was, and you could yes. feel that no matter what emoji came through. I've given that text. Yes. Oh, sure. Me too. I've given the smiley face when I was like, if I don't give something, they're going to know I'm really pissed or, or they're going to know I'm really annoyed. So let me give something that suggests I'm not so annoyed, but I really am annoyed. So I'm not going <laughs> to give them everything they want. I'm not going to give them words. I'm just going to give them an emoji. This is the insanity of the human mind at work. I've seen, I've seen this happen, play out on Facebook. People end up a statement with namaste and, and it's like, no, absolutely what they were saying was fuck you. Absolutely, absolutely. it was not namaste. A thousand times over, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that well, on social media a lot. 
so so I love I actually love Scott that we have had this part of the conversation because you know you and I are just you were just smooth motherfuckers and we're connected with each other and so sometimes i think it sounds like everything that we ever say it's like you've already read my mind and we all agree completely no i love that and also it's so funny um what you're all hearing right now is what what we've been talking about this whole time only done in real time right this is actually what we're talking about so here here's me gaining greater understanding about my own um experience of add Right. And I love Gabor Mate's book, Scattered Minds. It's such a gentle reflection that's to me, it's it continues to prove the the structure of self-discovery leads to self-acceptance. And then that makes space for transformation. And so it's funny for me to be in the middle of what is a little bit embarrassing to go, oh shit, didn't set that up properly, puts God on the spot, jerked him into an improv situation when maybe that wasn't called for. And, but because we're making space for it between us right here, yeah, I don't have shame about it. Um, and yeah. I, otherwise I absolutely in the past, I absolutely would have played this over and over again. Yes. Yes. I would have felt like cringing. I would have probably awake, awoke, awoken, waked up with Jesus, that word anyway, um, come awake <laughs> at two o'clock some morning thinking about it. And I've just found that, um, <clears throat> learning to do this and to be actually honest with myself and with the people in my life in the moment as much as possible, it reduces those obsessive thoughts. It reduces my experience of constantly rewinding and rehashing conversations to look for how completely cringe I must have been in that moment. (laughs) I'm so glad you're sharing this, Jacob, because you're one, you're, you're sharing how your mind has typically worked, you know, in the past and that the work that you're doing in your life has created for you a different reality because Mm -hmm. you, you just said this would be something Mm -hmm. that would linger. I mean, we don't know the future. We'll see. We'll see when we talk next if it did, but no, it feels like it's not like it's dissipated because right. It's, it doesn't need to, but what you're, what you're expressing. And it's so important, I think for everyone, you know, listening to, to, to acknowledge, and I'm sure you're experiencing this in your own life in different ways, that this type of work and practice actually works. Mm-hmm. It, it, it creates change. Like when I look at who I am right now, which is why I'm not always clear to bring this back to what I was first saying, mm-hmm. I, I feel so much more relaxed in moments around choices I'm making that would have created so much shame and obsessive thinking that mm. it's uh, there's some the the reason sometimes I feel like I'm in denial it's because it's like how can it be that this is doesn't even create anything in me anymore and then I'm like it can be because you've been working for years on being honest with yourself and loving yourself. And of course it manifests change in your life. Of course, these things that used to be really, really heavy don't feel as heavy because who you are right now is not the same person you were when they were really heavy. You know, you have evolved, you have grown, which isn't to suggest that things don't still feel heavy at times, but it's to to suggest that this kind of practice works. And so, it's it's re and it's as i talk about in a course of miracles it's reversing the river of thought it's going it's taking it back the other direction scott and 
I just want to place this here. This is probably a, a whole series we could do at some other point, but the the mind virus of original <laughs> sin that has dominated current the current story of humanity for let's say 8,000 years and, and has made its way into every area of life, not just religion, um, but into every area of life, including marketing and politics and every, every you know, education. The, the core thought there is you're broken and need a savior. Yeah. You're, you are not good enough as you are. You couldn't be. And not just your behavior isn't great. You intrinsically are broken and need a savior. You need to be fixed. And what I notice is the work we're doing, the work we're talking about today, the liberation from that thought, which to me is a daily practice. This isn't, this isn't a shamanic retreat um, or a meditation retreat or something you go and do and then come back from. Those can be so helpful and peak moments. But in my experience, this is, this is what we're doing today with each other. It's, it's the conversation we just had with M. It's the practice of reversing the toxicity around the roots that shape the rest of my life. Those deep beliefs that say I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I don't belong here, I'll be rejected and abandoned, all those thoughts, all those beliefs. I don't believe the roots themselves are poisonous. I feel like the roots are, were in poisonous soil. Yes. And the more that we allow the rain of truth and liberation to leach through that and purify that soil, we just find that the fruit that we're bringing forth, um, I'm beginning to use poetic language here, Scott, but what you talked about just a little while ago about the experience of life, of feeling comfortable in your skin, uh, you didn't use that phrase, but that's what I heard, comfortable in your skin. And, and also this sense of being freed to experience more people talk about being in their full power i i love to say i'm more i'm getting more full i'm living more fully into what feels like real power which isn't power over it's the power and excitement aliveness of being here as myself as this bumpy weird uh quirky dude um with all this history and the you know the traumas and experiences and all those things and then learning that oh my god i get to love I get to love me being here and oh my God, what changes in life, what changes in life, what changes about the way I get to move through the world and invite people into my world and share it with them. It's transformative, you know? Yeah. That was so beautiful, brother. And it's, that was so beautiful in a great way, I think, to end today, even though I'm going to add something. <laughs> <laughs> Because you you stopped yourself and in you by stopping yourself, you were also illustrating exactly what you're talking about and what we're talking about. You stopped yourself to acknowledge you were getting into I was riding on that poetic language. And then you're like, I'm beginning to use poetic language now, which was your way of apologizing for using poetic mm. language because some part of my experience of that was some part of you was feeling mm. Like now I'm going to sound too flowery. Like you were judging some aspect of yourself as less than as you were talking about it. And <laughs> it was, no, it was an extraordinary example because uh, yeah. of, of it. But everything you said was so beautiful, like really, really beautiful and, and, and profound. And for me, true, like spoke to my heart. So mm, thank you thank for you. that. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for reflecting the, the, the glitch. I mean, not the glitch, whatever the, the hitch and the get along. 
Um, no, that's great. And I, I, I think you have some shout outs. I also want to just acknowledge, uh, Carrie Michaels sent, sent a note in and said she appreciated the show and just want to say, hi, Carrie, thanks for listening. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I wanted to read as a, as a way of, I'm going to do it from joy and from manipulation. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to read a couple, um, a couple reviews that came in. And as I'm reading these, I really, again, want to invite you to leave a rating and review for the podcast. If you're enjoying it, it's, uh, it's helpful to me and Jacob. And, and I feel like mm-hmm. though we started this with, I mean, and have continued it <laughs> for over a year now without any marketing or anything like that, I feel like we're both kind of carrying an energy of, well, let's let's get this out there to more people. So if you're listening and loving it, help us do that by leaving a rating and review. So here's a, a couple that came in on uh, Apple Podcasts. The title, They Feel Like Friends. So the manipulative part is I'm going to read these reviews. So for all of you competitive people out there, these are like lovely reviews. So let's see what you can do. No, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Okay. And I don't really mean that. Um, I so enjoyed this casual, silly, smart, raw, and heart-centered podcast. I think because of the conversational and multi-directional way this flows, it feels more like listening to friends. I respect how you both are vulnerable in sharing your life lessons and stories. Also, I have learned from books and other teachers you've recommended. And that's from Photo Girl One. So thank you so uh-huh. much for, for that. I really appreciate it. And then uh, another one came in this week. Uh, met, titled Men I'd Want to Be Friends With. This is from Three Grace Girls. I found Jacob and, Scott at, Jacob and Scott at separate times in my life on my healing journey. I found myself drawn to them for different reasons, yet the same core reason. Both are awakened men, exclamation point. What a concept and how refreshing, exclamation point. I love their wisdom and hearing their perspectives of the masculine on their healing journey and how they both help others. I was very excited when I saw they were doing a podcast together, exclamation point. Thank you, for, for, thank you both for sharing and caring about others, exclamation point. I appreciate you, exclamation point. So I want to thank you both for, um, for those reviews and uh, just thank you all uh, who are listening to, uh, listening to us as you do. We appreciate it and we love you. Yeah, and Scott, I just want to say, I think we mentioned it last um, episode, I love the fact that people are submitting questions, thoughts, things. It's, it's, such an, it's such an interesting deepening, I feel like, of what's happening here. For me too. Absolutely. I would be thrilled if our whole, if every episode was just questions. And I know we keep, t- Jacob and I keep talking about bringing on guests. And I think the only reason we haven't is because we're just not, haven't gotten around to it. Like we're just being, I don't know if it's laziness or distra- that distraction, but at some point it'll happen in the right time. Well, and in the meantime, you can be the guests on the show by submitting your thoughts and questions. Like Absolutely. you actually are our guests. And that's to me what has turned this into a deeper conversation is because we're actually, I, I love, I love the accolades and appreciation. And I just so love when people are being raw or asking a question and I just feel like Same. it's turned into a conversation. So. Same. Yeah. Oh, and I want to say, um, I am going to be starting in Santa Fe next week, uh, on Mondays from two to three breathwork 
classes, breathwork sessions live in Santa Fe. And I'm going to be starting, I think I'm going to be doing it two times a week at two different yoga studios. So if you're in Santa Fe, I'll get this on my website. Just go to my website, scottstabile.com, and you'll find out details and come hang out with me in real life and breathe with me. Well, you'll be doing the breathing, but um, <laughs> it will be... Uh, it's going to be You're going to hold your breath the whole time, right? And I'm so excited. And then Jacob, you it sounds like you've got some upcoming events. Why don't you share those? Well, we have the Julia Cameron um, workshop, The Artist's Way Essential Tools. There'll be a link here. And I love I love so much. Um, we talked through pricing and various things and Julia came back and said, "No, that's too much. We were it was it was going to be around $79." So she, she insisted and I completely agreed. Um, that we moved that down to $39 during the early bird period. And, and it is on fire. People are setting up so quickly and I just, I love that. So that's, uh, that'll be live zoom May 17th. And then this one, I'm not ready to quite, uh, put a link out there, but Lauren Sapala and I are launching a whole heal plus create writers community, um, end of this month. So there'll be, there'll be a bunch of stuff. If you're subscribed to one of the sites, you'll, one of my sites, Institute for Creative Living or my own site, you'll get notification of that. But Scott, I'm so excited about that, um, of creating an ongoing program of supporting Beautiful. people who not trying to write their bestseller in a weekend or one of those things. They actually know that writing is part of their healing and part of what they want to create in this world. And so it's, this has been a decade coming for me. So it feels good that it's almost ready to be uh, presented. Beautiful. Awesome, brother. Cool. Well, I love you and uh, talk to you soon. All right, everyone. We'll be back here next week-ish. Yes. It's up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.